Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Monday edition of the program. Hope you had a great Christmas. We're right smack dab in the middle of the holiday season with New Year's Eve and, of course, New Year's Day coming up later this week. And that will effectively close out 2021 for both IU, college hoops, and, of course, high school basketball as well. One more game coming up for the Hoosiers on Wednesday night. Uh, The last, I think you call it sleeper, Uh, Not that any IU game is necessarily boring when you have a show like this, when you're a diehard fan like you, uh, the listeners, you you pay attention to everything this program does. And the way we do it here in our state, that's basketball crazy. Obviously, we're year-round about basketball. But it's the last game where there, to me, isn't a lot of excitement because once you get into the Big Ten schedule, every single one, of those games matters. We know how tough Big Ten games are. I don't care if it's on the road at home. A win in the Big Ten is a big win. And obviously, as Indiana looks to get to the NCAA tournament, I think they have accomplished what they set out to do, basically. I know you'd love to have wins over Syracuse and Wisconsin and be undefeated heading into 2022, but they've been close. I think they've set out uh, with what they wanted to do here in the non-conference uh, part of the schedule, and really even maybe in the early part of the uh, the two conference preview games, I call them. I know the Wisconsin second half was a disaster, and that one clearly got away from the Hoosiers, but <clears throat> there definitely were some good moments in that first half against Wisconsin, and so uh, we'll see what happens. But it's going to be uh, a real battle and a lot of fun coming up here as soon as we get past this Wednesday night game for the Hoosiers and get into the New Year. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got our headlines of the day uh, coming up here in just a moment, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. Then later in the show, it's Monday, so Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join me. We'll talk some IU basketball. There's actually a little football news to get to as well, and we'll cover all of that and more, I'm sure, with Zach when he joins us later today. And then Chad Gilbert, he's the Charlestown AD and former coach in the area, currently on the IHSA executive board. He'll join us to talk local sports. And it's kind of been a quiet period, really, for high school sports. I guess I was thinking about this over the the weekend. Yes, there have been some some big holiday events taking place, but uh, two things. Number one, the the holidays have fallen on the weekend, so you're not going to get – a lot of games on Christmas Eve and definitely none on Christmas Day. And the, the same for the most part will be true this weekend with the New Year's Eve set for Friday and uh, the New Year's holiday set for Saturday. So that interrupts uh, the weekends. It's better for sports, it seems, 
at least at the high school level, uh, when you've got uh, midweek or weekday for uh, the holidays. But that uh, isn't how the calendars uh, fell this year. So that has kind of interrupted things from a high school perspective. And Jeffersonville being shut down until January 5th because of a positive COVID case. The Coach Andrew Grants told us that uh, late last week, and that is going to affect the New Albany-Jeff game, which was scheduled for January 7th. So uh, we don't have a new date yet for New Albany-Jeff, but what we can tell you is that that game is going to be postponed and rescheduled, obviously. Uh, It's a big rivalry game here in the area, a Hoosier Hills Conference game for sure, uh, and that one will not be played uh, at its normal place in the schedule because of the Jeffersonville shutdown, at least temporarily. So we'll keep you posted on that as well. But uh, things have really slowed down from a high school perspective, but we've got plenty to talk about with Chad uh, from a local perspective when he joins us a little bit later today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And here's our daily reminder. The Thornton's text line is open. We'd love to hear from you today, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. And they also provide a way for you to uh, communicate with us and uh, be a part of this show Uh, Instead of just listening, we want it to be a two-way conversation. We invite your questions and comments on IU and local sports and more. You can always send them in to us at 502-414-1450. Okay, also uh, today as we get into our headlines, we want to start with uh, a couple recruiting notes for IU basketball. First off, the high school basketball season, as many highlights as there have been so far, including some big in-state players, especially those young freshmen, uh, Jalen Harrelson at Fishers and Sicily uh, down at Heritage Hills, as exciting as some of their performances have been, and obviously in our state you get tons of great games and tons of uh, prospects out there. We haven't really talked about C.J. Gunn, who is a commitment uh, to IU was under Archie Miller, reaffirmed that commitment under Mike Woodson, but the six foot five shooting guard has been out <clears throat> at Lawrence North High School, but he is set to return. He's been cleared. Uh, he's been practicing with Lawrence North, and he's actually scheduled tomorrow uh, to make his return to the Lawrence North lineup when uh, North takes on Indianapolis Tinley. Remember, he had had a broken big toe on his right foot, did not require surgery but he had to basically be off of it for it to heal and for him to get ready for basketball this season. So uh, Gunn, obviously an in-state guy for the Hoosiers, one of the better players in the senior class. And now that he's healthy, as he gets uh, back into playing shape, you would think over the next few weeks we would get a chance to see uh, an early glimpse, perhaps, of what C.J. Gunn could look like uh, in an Indiana uniform next season. And also, on a more of a national recruiting note, Montverde down in Florida, they won the big City of Palms tournament that we talked a lot about last week. Jalen Hood-Chefino had a very, very good performance for Montverde in the championship game. 
uh, late in that game as they defeated Oak Hill. Montverde had absolutely blown out Oak Hill, who used to be the power in high school basketball in the country uh, back earlier in the season. But this rematch in the City of the Palms championship game was much, much closer, and Hood Shafino really had to turn it on to late to give his opportunity, his team an opportunity to win. He had some big free throws in the final seconds of the game as well. And uh, just all around a big performance from him as Montverde gets uh, the win and hangs on. Might be the number one team in the country, the high school team in the country, again, coming out of all the holiday tournament activity. But he had 10 points, not his best scoring game. He had five assists, very uh, solid game all the way around, and really a really good tournament for him all the way around for Hood Shafino. Of course, IU not just tracking Hood Shafino, but also tracking some other players on that Montverde roster, including Kwame Evans, who is set to make, we think at some point uh, in maybe February, an official visit to Bloomington during one of the IU home games that matches up where he doesn't have a Montverde game that weekend, which is a hard thing to do with the schedule <clears throat> and the travel that they have. But nonetheless, a lot of uh, interest I think from IU fans and obviously the coaches as well in the Montverde Academy program down in Florida. Also, uh, something to kind of get your hopes up here as we close out 2021, uh, Joe Lenardi, who I'll be honest with you, there are so many bracketologists out there now, and you can check their their scores. You can see how they've done in recent years, uh, how many projections they had. Right, I guess it's going off their final bracket uh, that they project just before the NCAA pairings are officially announced. But Lenardi was the original guy, and he had ESPN behind him as well. Uh, college professor, kind of a nerdy guy, uh, had good things to say. Uh, and early on, he was pretty on spot, but there's so many of them now. And now that you kind of pay more attention to who's right and who's wrong, Lenardi has really slipped down <clears throat> the rungs of bracketologist. He's no longer... Uh, one of the top, top guys. He's still got ESPN behind him, so obviously that gives him a, a far reach. But uh, I, I do I was looking at his bracketology, his latest edition that came out around Christmas, and uh, he's got Indiana as one of the teams surging right now in his uh, bracketology look for the NCAA tournament later this uh, season. He's got IU up to a number nine seed, and in his bracket, he's got him playing number eight seeded North Carolina in a first round game. So obviously, just fodder way too early. We know that, but there is hope with IU, what, 11 and two headed into the Wednesday game. And maybe with some slippage from other teams that we've seen in the Big Ten Conference, the conference is still going to be tough and good. Uh, there's no question about that. But uh, maybe this Indiana team will make the tournament, and maybe they've got a legitimate chance to be a 9 or an 8 or a 7 or even a 6 seed uh, this year. I think that's probably the hope of a lot of uh, IU fans as we head into uh, the New Year weekend. Also, an NBA note, you know, we've had a lot of Romeo Langford to talk about here recently. He got another start on Christmas Day uh, and uh, scored the first five points of the game. What, do you have a 3 and then a dunk back-to-back as the Celtics jumped to a 5-0 lead. And he never scored again the rest of that contest, but he played a lot of minutes and, again, is getting playing time each and every game for Boston, whether it's as a starter, but most often coming off of the bench as one of the first two or three subs in the Celtics rotation. Of course, right before Christmas, I think you could say he probably played the best and most complete game of his NBA career so far 
He was a rebound away. He actually had the rebound. They took it away from him when they adjusted the stats at some point in the game, but he was a rebound away from having his first career uh, double-double in a regular season NBA game. So Romeo getting opportunities. He's got to stay healthy, obviously. We all know that have followed him over the years. That's a big key for him. But I think this Celtics team who's struggling with COVID, who's struggling with injuries, and who's struggling, to be quite honest, just with their wins and losses and their position in the Eastern Conference, Romeo looks like he's going to get some more run, a lot of run possibly this season. So that's exciting to follow. And then with all the COVID issues popping up in the NBA right now, OG Ananobi has entered the NBA's COVID protocols with the Raptors. So he is going to be out for a bit as well. Uh, kind of a, another guy you can add to the list that's having some struggles uh, with COVID in the NBA. A lot of teams right now, battle, even in college, even some of the bowl games, and I'm going to talk about uh, bowl games here in just a minute, uh, bowl games being canceled because of COVID issues ticking back up. A couple IU football notes, and we'll discuss some of this a little bit later uh, in the show today with Zach Osterman, but uh, Reese Taylor, cornerback for IU, he entered the transfer portal last week or earlier in December, I should say. He's from Indianapolis, and uh, there were rumors, and I, I heard these as well, right when he entered the portal, as he entered the portal, that he might go to Purdue, and he made it official over the weekend. He is going to head to Purdue as a transfer next season, and what I think is really odd is that he's the third IU football player within the last season to uh, transfer to Purdue uh, Sampson James, running back, he's a tr- transfer to Purdue. And then uh, a defensive lineman, uh, Damari Lewis, uh, already previously transferred to Purdue as well. So uh, Taylor has one year of eligibility remaining, I believe, and uh, obviously is a loss for IU at the cornerback position as well. And uh, linebacker James Miller, uh, the latest IU player, to enter the transfer portal. He appeared in nine games in this 2021 season that ended a month or so ago and started in one game, had 16 tackles, uh, and appeared in 33 games over the course of his career at Indiana. So he seems uh, like another player that will be exiting the IU program. Of course, you look at the line, starting linebacker McFadden, Micah McFadden, he announced too that he's going to not transfer but enter the NFL draft. So I think Cam Jones, the other starter, has not uh, made any announcements about his plans for next season. And then one other note, this one I guess is a positive note compared to the other two, Indiana's in the Final Four for former UCLA linebacker and edge rusher Miles Jackson. He was a redshirt freshman from Georgia, uh, played seven games this season for UCLA, uh, six tackles, one sack, one fumble recovery, a three-star recruit when he left high school in the class of 2020 out of uh, Mill Creek, Georgia. And uh, we'll see who he ultimately chooses, but uh, he is down to his final four schools and is set to make a decision between East Carolina, Jackson State, and Georgia State. Uh, and he's going to be in Bloomington, I believe, for a visit very soon. So you, you list off those other schools you would think Indiana would be able to get him over East Carolina, Jackson State, and Georgia State when it comes to the hierarchy of college football. Also, I mentioned the bowl games, a lot of cancellations. If I've got this right on Sunday, the Military Bowl, the Sun Bowl, and the Fenway Bowl were all canceled. Uh, Previous to that, the Hawaii Bowl had been canceled right before Christmas, so I've got it at four bowls right now that will not happen 
The other question mark right now is the Gator Bowl. Texas A&M, due to COVID problems, uh, they have announced that they are not going to play in the Gator Bowl. And I think Rutgers from the Big Ten is either in discussion or has officially replaced them in that lineup for the Gator Bowl. So four bowls right now. The Gator Bowl looks like it's it's going to happen, but you wonder if there'll be any other issues pop up. Of course, you think about Friday and the big games. I call them the Final Four games, the college football playoff games. Uh, you wonder, will there be any issues there? And what would the uh, the path be if there were an issue for a late replacement? Is that even something at this point that's possible? Would there be a postponement? Let's hope that none of that happens. But when there have been four other bowl games canceled and one that just barely was able to hang on, uh, just so far you wonder what will happen with some of these others that are scheduled to be played. Uh, so that's something else to keep an eye on as we begin the week. And I mentioned high school Uh, basketball over the weekend, not a lot of action because of the way the holiday season is falling uh, in the calendar this year. But coming up this week, you do have the Silver Creek Tournament, uh, which has been around forever and ever with Silver Creek and Providence, Clarksville, obviously, as well in the field. And uh, uh, we will see uh, Charlestown. I need to mention them as well. They're one of the four teams. We'll see how that goes this week, and if that tournament continues for years to come. There's talk of, of does that need to be changed out? The girls' version of that tournament no longer happening. Uh, so that is something that uh, is, I'm sure, an, an interesting note. But uh, a, a long-time tournament with four local teams. It'll be played this week, and Floyd Central will go up to Indianapolis here later in the week. They've got a game against Pike coming up tomorrow, which will be a big challenge for the 5-1 and one Highlanders, they'll also play Avon, another big 4A school, uh, the next day when they're in Indianapolis. So some big opportunities coming up for Floyd Central. Jeff was supposed to be at that same event, uh, but is not going to be there, obviously, because of some COVID issues, and they are on a temporary pause right now. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break when we come back. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join. IU Basketball on tap. We'll discuss Wednesday's game. Where is this Indiana program at in year one of Mike Woodson as we head to the new year and the start, the full start of Big Ten Conference play? We'll cover that, a little bit of IU football and more. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Monday edition of the program. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. And Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is my guest. We'll talk IU basketball with a little bit of IU football. At least that's my plan here in this segment. And, Zach, one more IU game of the season before we get to 2022. And, of course, we all know what that means the full start of Big Ten Conference play the rest of the way for the Hoosiers. Yeah, and I think I think everyone's broadly probably ready for it. Um, I think we've we've gotten enough of the sense of 
you know, what Indiana is without, you know, what, what Indiana is sort of at the baseline against these, these teams that are just really, you know, kind of overmatched when they come to Assembly Hall. Um, I think Indiana's got enough of a, a sense of itself from those games. We've talked about how maybe the, the, there was a little bit of value in scheduling softer this year because you got a new coach, half new roster, et cetera. Um, but I do think we're kind of past the point of really Indiana getting a lot out of those those games. Other than, you know, I mean, it, 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 I think sometimes, too, this time of year, you, you can almost look at them as basically the game is your conditioning. You know, you, you, you basically condition within the game and, and spend more of your practice time on fundamentals and really kind of focusing purely on yourself and, and purely on kind of your own you know, your own strengths and weaknesses and things like that. But I think from the perspective of learning about itself in these games, I think Indiana's probably past that point now. Uh, Zach, with uh, Wednesday to Wednesday break, as far as games go to finish out the 2021 side of the schedule for IU, it sounds like the players got a chance to take a break to actually go home if they so chose and were able to for Christmas break, which is different, obviously, than last season, and of course the way this schedule's laid out, it I think worked out probably nicely for some of those things. So I assume IU back at it today in preparation for Wednesday night after a couple days away, maybe not just from basketball, but from Bloomington as well. Yeah, I think I think if, if you wanted to go home, you were allowed to. And, um, you know, I think you could see on guys' social media, you know, reconnecting with family or celebrating or whatever. Um, and I mean, you know, <laughs> I know there are people that are kind of worried about teams coming back, you know, and, and, and having kind of gone away, test positive. I, I, I think we're kind of, I think we kind of need to just recognize that this is a threat pretty much everywhere at this point. And I don't know that you're going to be any more or less sort of, you know, prone to finding contact with it just in, in day-to-day life at this point at home versus in Bloomington. Um, and I think that, you know, you make a really good point about, you make a really good point about not being able to do that last year and, and all the things that teams kind of had to sack. Forgive me. He's, he knows, I think he can tell that I'm on the radio. <laughs> it's the holiday. Um, it's the holidays, Zach. All good. All the, all the things that players had to sacrifice and coaches for that matter, you know, to make last season happen and how, how taxing it was mentally and emotionally. Um, and I think that, you know, I just I think it's it's good to be able to maybe go home and for these guys to be able to go celebrate Christmas this year with their families if they want to. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I just saw as we came back from commercial break that uh, Ohio State's game, uh, I just had it up here in front of me, Ohio State's game with New Orleans is off, uh, it's a Tuesday game, off due to COVID issues within the Buckeyes program. Uh, so this continues to be an issue even close to home in the Big Ten Conference as we get through the holidays here later this week and into next week when Big Ten play starts, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, if COVID affects big conference games early on in January. It's something the Big Ten really needs to figure out. Um, I don't really understand why they released a statement last week saying they were examining their forfeit policy. Um, Obviously, a lot of other conferences have already changed their forfeit policy in light of what is, is clearly sort of an increased potential for mild and, you know, and I think in a lot of cases, asymptomatic 
break for infections has been nonetheless least a positive test and force guys to quarantine, force guys to isolate. Again, I don't really understand why the Big Ten just sort of needed to release a statement saying it was examining the policy rather than simply making some sort of decision on the policy. I think it, the conference really needs to be more reactive on this than it's being right now. Um, and that's, you know, I, I don't want to turn this into a Big Ten slam session. I, I think the Big Ten has probably not been as nimble in its thinking as it could have been around some of this. And that's not just COVID, but I'm just talking in general. Uh, I think the conference could stand more decisive in its leadership, but they are going to have to examine the, the forfeit policy. And I suspect, and this is not something at least that I'm aware of, that any conference has changed, any major conference anyway, has changed its policy on yet. But I do suspect we are going to get to a place where um, basically you just don't test vaccinated individuals. And, and maybe, maybe we require... Uh, boosters in those sorts of cases that you have to have your booster shot first. But I think we're going to get to a place where unless someone is symptomatic, if they are vaccinated, they just don't get tested. You know, no matter close contacts don't matter, that sort of stuff. Um, I think we're seeing the pro leagues already move in that direction. But again, the, you know, everything we think we know so far is that this most recent variant tends to lead to more mild infections. And in a lot of cases, I think for these athletes who are obviously already very fit and, and you know, in kind of the, the, the 1% that's going to be most sort of fortified against this if they're vaccinated, coupling that to their physical fitness and, and their physical health, um, I think that, that probably college basketball is going to have to at some point follow the what appears to be the direction the, the pro leagues are headed, the NFL, the NBA, and some others, which is just if you're vaccinated, and particularly if you're boosted, unless you show symptoms, you just don't get tested. Um, because otherwise, I mean, I think I've already seen today, too, Duke's first two ACC games have been postponed, um, at least their first two coming out of, you know, this, this holiday break. Uh, you mentioned Ohio State. I think they, I believe that's, what, like three or four games they've had postponed or canceled yeah, de- at this point? definitely three, I think. Definitely three. I, I just... We're not going to get through a season if, you know, if we're taking players who are vaccinated and, again, who are completely asymptomatic out of circulation. Now, as always, we say what we always say, which is if the science changes and something says, actually, this is more dangerous, we need to be more careful, yes, then that, that then, then, then we, we change the plan accordingly. But that gets back to basically the idea of needing to be more decisive and flexible in your leadership and your decision-making. Um, rather than, you know, just sort of seeming to kind of wait for somebody else to sort of give you the cover to make some sort of move on something. I think I saw the SEC, they updated their policy to basically say if a team has at least seven scholarship players and one coach available, the game can be played. Teams will have the option to play with fewer than seven if they so choose. If teams fall below the minimum of seven players and one coach, games will be rescheduled or declared a no contest, no longer forfeitures. I think that's the latest for the SEC and maybe the ACC as well. So that could be obviously a a model that's out there right now. The Big Ten could change to win. And if they actually, as you said, why make an announcement last week and not just announce what the changes in your policy are. So clearly it's under review, but when we get an update or a change, who knows when that will be. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach, 
let's dig into the IU team just a bit. Um, we're at that point of the year where it makes sense uh, to talk about uh, how the – I don't want to say the first half of the season has went, but how the non-conference portion has went, uh, how the 2021 portion of the schedule has went, not just from a wins and losses perspective, but a development perspective, a recruiting perspective. It's kind of an opportunity to pause here at the holidays and evaluate what Mike Woodson has been able to accomplish so far as the leader of IU basketball. Take us through your thoughts so far of the Woodson time. I think if nothing else, you know, one thing I think Indiana has really accomplished in these first two months is defining roles. You know, we can be confident, you know, in sort of saying Xavier Johnson. Xavier Johnson is the team's best point guard. It's got two proven shooters in its starting lineup in Parker Stewart and Miller Cop. It can count on its starting front court. Um, you know, I, I know that the backup point guard discussion can be a little bit sort of polarizing at times, but there's clearly a high level of trust and faith in Rob Finnessy. Maybe not always scoring the ball, but certainly doing a lot of other things, you know, that, that impact winning. His assist to turnover ratio has been very good. Um, he's rebounding the ball well. And, and, you know, his teammates say his offensive game's coming around well, too, so we'll see how that kind of changes. But I think, it's, I think, again, there was just so much about this team that you didn't feel like you could say with certainty because it was everything was so new. System was new. Coaches were new. Half the roster, you know, kind of came in either via the portal or via uh, signing out of high school just last spring, last summer. And so you needed to answer these questions of, like, you know, who takes the, who takes the big shot? What do you do? Who gets the ball in a late clock situation? If it's out of if it's out of bounds on the end line as opposed to out of bounds on the sideline, who's you know who's passing it in? That stuff that sounds simple, but like you need to figure it out in real time. You can't you can draw it up on paper, you can draw it up on a whiteboard, but at the end of the day, you need to see it happen to know that this is yes, this is the best option in this situation. This is what we need to do here. I think the next big question for Indiana is how does that bench keep coming along? It looks very strong early in the season. Obviously, you would expect it to struggle a little bit more when you're playing tougher opponents. We've still seen some good performances from Jordan Geronimo, um, you know, from Tamar Bates, who I, I still think, you know, I think it, uh, there's been some questions for me about does he ever move into the starting lineup. I actually think there's value in Bates staying in that second line because he's a – He's a, a true three-level scorer in a way that, frankly, I'm not sure anybody else on this team is when he's at his best. Um, but you still got youth there. You know, you, you know, Bates is a freshman. Geronimo's a sophomore. Um, Michael Durr clearly kind of still working his way. I'd say he's looked stronger maybe in Indiana's last couple games in particular, but still working his way through, kind of getting back from his injury and finding his, his game legs again. And then, you know, the, the, the three other sophomores, uh, Christian Lander, Anthony Leal, Trey Galloway, all kind of in different ways have clearly kind of been facing a learning curve. Leal didn't play a lot in the first month of the season. He's clearly started to earn more of his coach's trust recently. Lander's still kind of third in that point guard pecking order, and Trey Galloway's obviously got to get healthy after his broken wrist. So I think the next question for me is just how did that bench come along and how how much changes in terms of what Mike Woodson can do from a matchups perspective when he goes to that second line. Is it one that gets stronger and becomes a, for the record, we're not going too fast. We're driving. The <laughs> uh, is it, is it one where you feel like you're just stealing minutes with those guys or can they continue to get stronger 
into Big Ten play such that, like, when you bring a Jordan Geronimo off the bench, he's a matchup problem somewhere. He's a matchup problem on the glass or on defense or whatever it might be. You know, base is a matchup problem because he can score in so many different ways. And I just think that the, the next real evolution for this team for me is how that bench improves, can it improve, and as some of those guys that are fairly young in terms of minutes and experience like a Bates, like a Geronimo, like a Leon, start to get more regular floor time against tough competition, Big Ten level competition, you know, do they do they grow to it? Do they rise to meet it, essentially? Zach, final question for you, and we'll let you get back to your trip uh, with your with your son and family, but uh, IU football loses another player to the transfer portal, and a player that had previously Reese Taylor announced that he was going to enter the portal is is headed to Purdue. I think that's the third player in the last season or last year from IU uh, that have announced a transfer to to Purdue. That that to me is really strange. I know the transfer portal has changed college sports, college basketball, college football, but. Uh, to transfer to your rival within the same conference, um, it's it just it's something I know IU fans struggle with. I'm sure if the tables were turned and it was Purdue to IU, uh, that uh, Purdue fans would would have issue with it as well. But just really strange to see three IU football guys either at or headed to Purdue now. Yeah, I mean it is it is a little weird. I think you're right. I think it is three: Demarge Lewis, the defensive tackle; Samson James, the running back; and now Reese Taylor. I mean Taylor is, I guess, a little bit more understandable in the sense that if you're, you know, you, you can understand why an Indianapolis guy might be looking for a change of scenery, but still want to stay closer to home. Um, it is weird, and, and I think it again maybe one of those things we're going to have to just get used to a little bit more. You know, like I I, I saw some some fretting on social media about IU players, you know, basically Reese Taylor's now former teammates, you know, kind of commenting on his, his, whether it was his Instagram or his tweet, I forget exactly which it was, but, you know, saying like, good luck and, you know, you know, really kind of wishing him well and all this. And, and I think, I think the fans thought was, well, this is a rivalry, you know, what's all this? You can't be doing that. I, I think, the reality is from a player's perspective, um, you know, th- these guys are friends and they want the best for one another. And, and if that means that on occasion somebody's going to transfer to somebody's rival, then I think, you, you know, it's, it's not like those guys aren't still going to want to beat Purdue next year, but they're going to be happy for their friend. They're going to support their friend. And I think, I think that's one thing that just broadly has changed a little bit in, in college athletics. And it's not just the portal. You know, I think we've cha- we've seen it change somewhat in college basketball because these guys, you know, elite players spend so much more time around one another. They see each other so much more than they would have, you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago. And so, they, you know, you, you might have, you know, Hunter Dickinson at Michigan and, I don't know, Jaden Ivey at Purdue and Trace Jackson Davis at IU. And, and from a fan's perspective, you know, the, those guys are rivals, but maybe they know each other, maybe they've played together, maybe they've, you know, they've spent time together, maybe they've roomed at camps or, you know, played against each other a whole bunch of times in AAU. The, the point is they just, you know, they, um, you become close to, to those kind of those guys and, and you share, you know, you share basically a lot of life experiences with them that, that make you friends. And I think that it's, it's possible for those players to feel that rivalry and at the same time, 
you know, be, you know, have, have personal relationships with some of the guys on the other side. And again, I, I get, I completely understand why it's strange for fans. Um, and maybe if we go back 30 years, I, I don't know, maybe if, you know, maybe if we rewind to 1991, we'd find out that, you know, everybody, you know, all the IU players are friends with all the, all the Purdue players and they all played together in high school and all that. And we just didn't know about it. And now we do because of, of social media, we get to see these kids interacting with each other in a more personal way. But um, it is something that I think is not just the portal, but I think the portal is maybe more, I guess what I'm, I'm sort of rambling here, but maybe what I'm trying to say is that I'm not sure this is a symptom of, of the portal as much as it is the portal being another, another way of showing us, you know, something that maybe we wouldn't previously have seen before in terms of not just the way guys move around, want to move around the opportunities they seek for themselves, but also, frankly, the way they support each other in it. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star, he's with us on Mondays for IU basketball and more. Zach, uh, hope you had a great Christmas. Enjoy the New Year celebrations as well. And uh, when we come back next Monday, it's uh, all Big Ten all the time as far as hoops go. And look forward to our Monday conversations in 2022. Absolutely. Thanks for having me as always. Happy New Year. Absolutely. We'll head to a commercial break when we come back. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown High School Athletic Director, former coach in the area, IHSAA Executive Board member, is with us. And there's lots to get to. It's been a little quiet as far as basketball goes. And I tell you what, if you look around at the start of the season, there have been some disappointments. I think we all thought Jeff would start better uh, than what they have. New Albany has been down so far this season. Lloyd Central really kind of carrying the flag. Providence also off to a good start. Uh, so some some good with some bad early on. But uh, we'll take a look at the season so far. We'll take a look at uh, what it's like to be a coach over the holiday break. And a lot more coming up in the next segment with Chad. Always fun when he joins us. And we got local sports on tap for our final segment here on this Monday show. As we go to break, uh, I'll be with you live Monday and Tuesday this week, and then I'll be out Wednesday through Friday. So just Monday and Tuesday live shows. And, of course, once we get to 2022, a week from today, back with you every day as we take you through IU and Big Ten basketball this season each and every day here on the show. Stay with us. Chad Gilbert is next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Okay, back with you here. Final segment of our Monday program. Chad Gilbert is my guest. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown High School, also a current IHSA executive board member. Chad, holiday hoops season, a little different this year because the holidays are falling on the weekend, so Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve on Fridays, uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day on Saturday, so it's kind of affected uh, the normalcy of uh, weekend high school basketball, but nonetheless, Still a busy time for some different games, different opponents, holiday tournaments and shootouts. 
Uh, it's just that time of year for uh, special stuff. Matt, you know, Christmas break for a coach and for players is very challenging. I think you got to be careful on how you navigate the waters on that one because you know you, your team is made up of so so much diversity, so many different backgrounds that you know some kids just may be excited to celebrate Christmas. Other kids may not be getting any presents at all. So I think it's something that's kind of a tough time of year where some kids are really high, some kids maybe a little bit low on the deal. That you as a coach, I think that's where you have to really know your team, have those relationships. And make everyone really feel the true meaning of Christmas, you know, that that togetherness, that love by, you know, having some special events, you know, maybe having some hosting some team dinners, maybe go see a movie, maybe go bowling. But I think it's something if you really want to be good, you've got to commit to that. And as a coach, you know, there's no such thing as Christmas break because you're committed to your team, because if you're not, there's a lot of downtime that those kids can get into stuff that's not basketball related, that will be detrimental to your team. You know, I think that you've got to worry about, let's just say best case scenarios. What about kids staying up till two and three in the morning? I think you've got to have early practices. And in some cases you may have to have two a day practices just to make sure the kids stay on their regular routine. They're not sluggish because, you know, you think about it, Matt, we've all been there. We've all done that. If you stay up till two or three in the morning, messing around, playing the phones, whatever it is you're doing, you go to practice at eight, you come home, you get something to eat, and what do you do? You take a nap. So, you know, that's all good until there's a game day. Then your body's not adjusted. It's not ready for game day. So you're not at your peak performance when it comes. Then you come back to school. It takes your body a little bit of time to get adjusted back to school. I'm being at school at 7 a.m. every day, practicing until 5. So it's some things that, as a coach, you don't want your team to get too out of whack. You want to enjoy some time to yourself. But you also say, hey, what am I going to do to get better here for this stretch run? So I think it's something that you, if you really want your team to get better, you spend a lot of time just working on the details and the, and, and, to get, and the to, excuse me, and the togetherness. Chad, I think it's interesting you bring that up here over the break because I know coaches with both thoughts. Some coaches say, I'm going to store this away. We're going to get better on whatever topic, whatever area over Christmas break when we've got time to – to focus in on some stuff, maybe, as you said, practice extra, include some fun things uh, along with practices each day that other coaches are like, I know I don't have to teach during the break, but it gets us off of our routine and our schedule, and I hate it. So I I hear from a lot of coaches all the time in in my business, and I know you do as well, uh, and I've heard strong opinions on both schools of thought there about about these offs off times during with no school, but still having basketball practices and games. Well, you know, the other thing with that, Matt, is you can spend some time in film work, not only uh, watching yourself, because I think that is very important that you got to take care of your, your own team and you as an individual. But I think also, you know, you can come in there and you can t- have an opportunity to go as a team and maybe watch some other teams. You know, that's something I can remember as a player, you know, when you'd see that team walk in and they all had their letterman's jackets on. They all sat there together. They all watched the game. You don't see a whole lot of that anymore. Uh, one, I think kids got other other things on their mind, too. With huddle, they can just get the team the teams broke down on their phone, ready to go the next day. You know, and that's something that even when I was doing it, you know, I can remember we played Jeff in New Albany. Coach Shannon and I would trade our first 10 games. 
we knew we were going to get them anyway, so we just traded each other, broke them down, watched them, did whatever. Now with Huddle, you can have it all broke down two hours, and your team's got an individual breakdown of every one of your opponents. So technology has changed that a little bit. No question. Talking with Chad Gilbert here on this Monday show. Chad, uh, got to talk about COVID here for a moment. I know some people uh, think it's a worthwhile topic and other people can't stand when we bring it into the show and sports. But, you know, I just was looking at Jeff Goodman, college basketball analyst, and his Twitter account over the commercial break. And it seems like every five or ten minutes he's tweeting about another college basketball game scheduled for this week that's not going to take place because of a team having COVID issues. Then during this show on, was it Thursday, I believe, uh, I got confirmation from Coach Andrew Grant that Jeffersonville had a positive. They were going to have to shut down for a while. The Jeff New Albany game is going to be pushed back because of that. I uh, just wonder if we'll see. I think knock on wood so far we haven't seen a lot of issues with basketball here locally, but I just wonder if we're going to see more in the coming weeks as we get through the holidays. Matt, you know, it, it is something worthwhile to talk about. It's something that we're going to have to continue to adjust to. You know, we think we're out of the woods. I was hoping we're out of the woods. I just don't want to get back to the point where it's two tickets per player. You know, let, let's get through this thing the best we can. Um, I think we need to reevaluate how we're testing, how we're doing things. I think coaches need to do a good job of having kids wear a mask. And, you know, and, and the bottom line on those things, when we have an issue at Charlestown, is your kid vaccinated? That that escapes some of that stuff. Even when vaccination, I know even when vaccination vaccination occurs, there's still some positive cases. That's just one of those things you you've got to do everything in your power to put yourself in a position to be successful. Hope this stuff goes away. It, it it's hampers our enjoyment, hampers kids' enjoyment. You know, hampers our television, our viewing enjoyment. Matt, we don't we don't know what games are on. We don't know who's playing who, and we're counting on seeing these things. So it's something that. Uh, I think you got to adjust and adapt to, and uh, the most important play is the next play. I think it's interesting, the Jeff New Albany game, you know, with uh, Jeffersonville being out on that one, that how, how that one will push back. Um, I'm not sure on uh, – if, if I'm Jim Shannon, I'd say we're playing. You know, we've we got to play, but I don't know the specific dates on that one because what that does is that pushes New Albany – X amount of days without a game, as well as Jeffersonville, so it, it, it hampers your opponent as well as it does you. So it's a it's a tough situation. And I know Coach Grant he wants to play. There's no question about that. Those kids want to play. It's just something that we got to do our best to overcome and, and move forward and and try to uh, be better. All right, Chad Gilbert, my guest, talking local sports in this segment with Chad. You know, we talk. You know, you're a four A guy. You came from Jeffersonville, as far as a girls coach, won a state championship, lots of success with the boys there as well. I'm a new Albany guy, have connections to that program. So, And, and again, there's nothing better than New Albany Jeff and New Albany Floyd Central and some of the great rivalries with the bigger schools. But I wanted to spend a moment today bragging, as we close the show out, bragging on Providence, Chad. Uh, off to a great start. Ryan Miller does such a great job. you got like 10 seconds to talk about this, but the Pioneers are rolling. I'm anxious to see them tomorrow night against my parents at 6 o'clock. Uh, longtime friend John Siebold's son's getting to play. Uh, Grant's getting to play for Providence, so I'm anxious to check them out. And then uh, the Pioneers off to a great start. Ryan Miller, outstanding coach. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday edition of the program. Back with you tomorrow at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.